Welcome back to the Walk the Word podcast with me, Pastor James, coming out of Sar Fellowship in the Kingdom of Bahrain. We are walking through Genesis one chapter a week, and today we get to Genesis chapter 40. Hey, we know the world is saturated with Bible teaching. There are so many podcasts out there. So we are so grateful that you have chosen to walk through Genesis with us for 10 or 15 minutes a week to really build a great foundation for understanding so much else in God's Word. So if you've not read Genesis chapter 40, go ahead, press pause and read it. And then we'll come back together as we seek to know and grow in God's Word. So Genesis 40 verse 1 begins like this. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. So the first thing we see is sometime after this, uh, this being Joseph's imprisonment that we talked about last week in Genesis chapter 39. Now, further down in chapter 40, later on in chapter 40, we can kind of piece some things together and make a logical uh, deduction that there seems to have been some kind of plot against Pharaoh, maybe involving food and drink, therefore... The cupbearer and the baker, the two, maybe your Bible says the, um, the butler and the baker, whatever it says, we're talking about the two people who had the closest and most consistent and easiest access uh, to Pharaoh. Something's happened. Logically, we can kind of, I don't want to say guess, but you know, we can piece things together and uh, it seems there has been some kind of plot against him and the butler and the baker, the cupbearer and the baker, the two with the easiest and most consistent access to Pharaoh have been put in prison. And they go into the house of the captain of the guard where Joseph is. Again, verse four, the captain of the guard. We said last week, that's Potiphar. And again, here we see that, you know, Potiphar probably didn't really believe these accusations that his wife leveled um, at Joseph. Culturally, he couldn't have acted any other way than to reprimand Joseph to, to, to side with uh, his household staff against his wife. Anyway, it's quite clear that he didn't really think Joseph did what his wife accused him of because in verse 4 we see that Potiphar, the captain of the guard, appoints Joseph to basically look after these guys in prison. So wherever Joseph has been, he's been given these wonderful responsibilities, house or prison. And then when they're in the prison, then the butler, the cupbearer, and uh, the baker, these two guys are both dream dreams, and uh, they wake up the next morning, and they're obviously troubled by them because Joseph notices. Now, here's Joseph. He's been taken from... His family has been sold, he's been bought, he's now working in the house of the captain of the guard, he's been put in prison, but he's still others focused. He still notices when the people around him are not feeling great about what's going on. And he says, um, well, we read in verse six, Joseph came to him in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. 
And he says to them in verse 7, why are your faces downcast today? And they basically explain to him, look, we've had dreams. There's no one to interpret them. Joseph said, don't. Interpretations belong to God. But please tell them to me. So he, his perspective is, is right here on so many levels, isn't it? Uh, first, he, his perspective is others-focused. He can see that these two guys with him, something's bothering them. Then he says, interpretations belong to God. So he's putting himself in the right kind of place. He's, he's got the right perspective about God and, and himself. But he does have a history, uh, experience of dreaming dreams and knowing what they mean. So he says, look, you, you tell me these dreams. So they both tell him their dreams. And one interpretation is pretty good. And one interpretation is pretty bad. So verses 9 through 15 is the interpretation of the chief cupbearer's dream. And he dreams that there's a vine before him and then there are three branches on the vine and it buds, it blossoms, he gets the grapes, he makes a drink with it and gives it to Pharaoh. Joseph says in verse 12, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. So that's the interpretation. Look, in three days, you're going to be re restored and redeemed back to work. The truth of what happened is going to come out and uh, God obviously knows and Pharaoh's going to learn that, that, that your innocence, you're going to be restored to what you're doing. And then Joseph, despite being in prison, despite being used of God, obviously doesn't want to stay in prison, which is you know, you, you know, we can't blame him for that, can we? And he says, look, in verse 14, only remember me when it's well with you. And please, uh, you know, kind of let Pharaoh know that I'm down here. And I didn't really, I don't really deserve to be here. And he says, get me to get me out of this house. And in verse 15, he shares this double disappointment. He says, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And here also I've done nothing that they should put me into the pit. So twice he's had a, a pretty a raw deal. So he says to the cupbearer, look, this is going to happen in three days. So he's very definite, he's very sure. If it didn't happen in three days, he would have been very much proven wrong uh, conclusively. So he's put himself out there. He's staking his reputation and his future on this. You know, look, three days, it's going to happen. Uh, when it is well with you, you know, let Pharaoh know that I helped you, that I don't deserve to be here. And, you know, you could put in a good word. And then so the baker sees that Joseph's, you know, interpreting and it's a, it's a positive thing. So he comes along and he says, I've also had a dream. And there were three cake baskets on my head. And the uppermost basket were all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating out the basket on my head. That's verses 15, uh, 16, 17. And then in verse 18, Joseph says, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Same as the, uh, the cupbearer. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. So Joseph's got two interpretations. One, tremendously positive. One, very much not. But Joseph was willing to speak the truth. Joseph was willing to speak God's truth despite it be negative despite the reaction that it could have caused here in 
the baker. And if we just pause and just ponder, are we willing to do the same? Are we always willing to speak God's truth regardless of the reaction that it might provoke in people? Are we always willing to speak God's truth even if we feel like it might upset some people? And then this chapter ends, uh, verses 20 through to 23. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. So that he's restored them. Uh, he's come out of prison. And he restored the chief cupbearer to his position and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hands. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So Joseph's interpretation, God's word of interpretation through Joseph has come true. It's obviously, it's, it's from God. But Joseph, poor guy, has been wronged again. He's been prepared for greatness, for great things. Yet there are so many hurdles and bumps and obstacles in the way. He's been wronged again. The chief cupbearer didn't remember Joseph, but forgot him. So a couple of things to come out of Genesis chapter 40. Then first, the dreams. So I read this wonderful list very recently of um, all these, these times and passages in the, in the Word, in the Bible, where God speaks through dreams. He speaks to Abimelech in a dream in Genesis 20, to Jacob in Genesis 28, to Laban in Genesis 31, uh, in Judges chapter 7, 1 Kings chapter 3, Daniel, and in Matthew. So it's, it's very possible, and I would say to you now that it's, it's still very possible for God to speak through dreams. But we need to remember that not every dream that you dream is from God. You know, you've got Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says that a dream comes through much activity. In the multitude of dreams and many words, there is also vanity. So, you know, look, stuff's going on in your life. You're going to dream about it. Not every dream is from God. And then the Bible also warns us that false prophets are going to say that they've had a dream to give weight to their message because they know that you cannot prove that or unprove that or disprove that. Deuteronomy 13, Jeremiah 23, there are, there are passages in there about false prophets will claim that they've had dreams. And uh, the key thing for you and for me, seeking to find the truth of God's word and live in the light of God's word, is that yes, God can from time to time choose very unusual ways and different ways to speak to us, yet it's never going to contradict what he's already revealed in the person and work of Jesus. So if you're dreaming dreams that just doesn't jive with what Jesus would say or do, that dream is not from God telling you to do something. And it's never going to contradict what he's revealed to us in his word. God is a God of non-contradiction. He's not going to say things that contradict himself. He's not a deceiver. He's not a liar. He's not going to say things that outright contradict. So if you've dreamed a dream, if somebody's claiming they've dreamed a dream where they've had very special extra revelation that's different to the Bible, in addition to the Bible, we can just say no. That's not, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. So the first thing, Genesis 40 
a little bit of stuff about dreams. Yes, God can speak in dreams, through dreams. No, it's not going to contradict the word, go beyond the word, or contradict or go beyond uh, the life, the work of Jesus. Second, who are we in this story? Well, it's quite easy for us to read this and think, yes, we're obviously Joseph. We are the wise. Um, we're, you know, being prepared. We're suffering for something great is coming. But, you know, we're, we're not Joseph here. You and me are the baker and the cupbearer. We are the people in the prison. Jesus is Joseph here. Joseph is previewing Jesus for us, somebody who's innocently imprisoned, who's taking punishment for somebody who actually deserved it, you know, last week with Potiphar's wife. Joseph here brings a word that brings either life or death to the cupbearer, to the baker. You know, Jesus came really clearly and quite divisively for some, said, look, I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. Nobody's going to get there to God unless it goes through me. For some, that's quite divisive, and that's going to bring death because they're going to refuse, they're going to reject, they're going to turn away. And for some, it's going to bring life because they are going to choose that. So as much as Jesus is previewed here with Joseph, through Joseph, he goes beyond Joseph. He is a greater and better and truer Joseph because here, Joseph's word brought life for the innocent and death for the guilty. But Jesus, the word of God, the word become flesh, offers you life, whether you're innocent or guilty. We read elsewhere in the Bible that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So in this story, if we're going to be really true with ourselves, we're the baker. We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We do deserve death. But yet our truer and better Joseph in Jesus comes along with a word from God that says there's a solution to this. And as they trusted Joseph, it's the same for you and me. Do we trust Jesus? Do we give our future to Jesus whose word brings life for both the innocent and the guilty? And that is so much more important when we truly accept you know that we are all the guilty here. So Joseph is a great preview, foreshadow type of Jesus. But Jesus is so much better and greater than Joseph because his word brings life to the guilty and the innocent. Next week then, we will talk about Genesis chapter 41 where we see Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dreams. But until then, God bless you.